Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. Merry Christmas to you all. Are y'all ready for Santa? I want to talk to you a little bit about Santa. Is that all right? Where did Santa come from? On North Pole. Actually, he didn't. But he may live there now. Just if your kids need to go to Sunday school, you might want to send them out. <laughs> that was your warning. Uh, St. Nicholas was a man that lived back in the third century, many, many, many years ago. It was a man named Nicholas who was a very, very generous man. He gave away, some say he gave away all of his wealth, uh, but he definitely helped the younger folks, the kids, the children. There's one story of him actually buying some girls out of slavery and saving them from prostitution, all kinds of things, just beautiful beautiful life of generosity that this man, Nicholas, lived out and as a result uh, was named a saint. And so Saint Nicholas became very, very famous all throughout the world and became Europe's favorite saint, many people say. And so because of his generosity and his love for kids and just his heart uh, was really after God's heart, his heart of generosity, Saint St. Nicholas. And so when immigrants began to come to the United States, they brought his memory with them, and uh, especially those from Scandinavian countries. And um, the Dutch, in particular, uh, brought his story here to the U.S. And um, this was the early, uh, even mid 1700s, early 1800s, the Dutch immigrants would have called him St. Nicholas, shortened over time and morphed into English, St. Claus. Of course, there was some German influence in there as well. And over time, St. Nicholas became Santa Claus. And with each decade and century came more legend and myth but it was in 1823 that this guy right here, we have a picture of him. I want to show you. This is the man right here that really began to shape the image of Santa Claus that we come to know and love. And in my household growing up, my father was very anti-Santa. Santa. My mom was very pro-Santa. In our house, the opposite. I took on my mom's characteristics, and my wife is very anti, so... I'm not here to settle any debates in your home today. Just giving you some information that y'all can go discuss. Okay, so uh, in 1823, this man right here was a pastor, an Episcopal pastor named Clement Clark Moore. He wrote a poem for his kids, and uh, it was called Twas the Night Before Christmas. And it was this one poem that really began to shape the image of Santa that we know today. And, uh, you know, his belly shook like a bowl full of jelly. There's reindeer on the roof, presents, chimney, all that kind of stuff came from 
this one poem that he just wrote for his kids and began to develop a lot of steam and a lot of popularity and a very interesting story to dig into and look at. But he even, he even didn't take credit for this poem for a long time. And then finally, his kids were like, no, he is the one that wrote it. And so it wasn't till about 100 years after that in the early 1900s that commercial retailers really began to take off on the story. And it was in 1931 that Coca-Cola had a man, they paid this man, an artist, to draw this picture here. And this one picture began to shape the image that we know today of this man named Santa. And as the story continued, then there came Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. That's a whole other story that where he came from and how he got into the story. But as the years have gone by, layers of the legend have been added to Santa. And um, it's just an interesting part of this season. There's other parts of uh, the celebration that we have that started way back in this time period of St. Nicholas. That, that was the era when Christianity became the national religion of Rome. And when Constantine was uh, Caesar and or emperor, whatever you want to call him, Constantine became the leader of Rome. And under that whole regime, Christianity became the national religion. And his mother was a big influence. And so at that time, the Romans had this huge winter celebration of winter solstice around this same time. And um, had all kind of practices. And so the Christians said we need to redeem this celebration. And they began to apply a lot of their Christian beliefs into this celebration. Um, what else can I blow up for you today? Uh, there's a lot of layers to this. But um, there was a man, I forgot his name. Some of you may have heard him, but uh, he did a lot of research way back in this same era. And he, um, he's the one that discovered, he, in his theory, the world was actually created in March, the month of March. The world, that was when the Garden of Eden was created. And then his theory was that the angel came to Mary, and Mary became pregnant in March. And that is what made the birth happen at this time of the year. There's just little pieces I'm throwing out for you, maybe what your appetite to go study a little bit, dig into it. I remember when I was probably fourth grade-ish, I remember walking out the day after Christmas in my backyard. This is so weird. This was 35 years ago. I was so sad because I thought, I have got to wait a whole year for Christmas to come back around again. And my heart was just sad. I mean, it was, I had all these beautiful, amazing things that happened. My childhood was beautiful. I had Christmas presents. And I loved it so much. And I was just so sad. You know, because there's something about a kid getting up Christmas morning, wanting to go open presents, wanting to get something new, excited. What's it going to be? Can't wait for breakfast to be cooked. Can't wait for coffee to be made. Waking up to parents. Let's go open presents. And it's so exciting to get something new. Just the opening of the box, just tearing off of the paper. 
And um, my, uh, my grandfather, my mom's father, would have a pocket knife, and he would carefully cut the scotch tape, and all of us were just like, ah, rip it open. He would, and he would, like, fold up the paper. He grew up in the 1920s, you know, so, like, that was so valuable, the paper. Anyway, just a lot of traditions in my family, a lot of beautiful things in my family, but the older I've gotten, I realized that, that the joy of receiving as not as beautiful as the joy of giving. And there's this weird transition. It happens over time, but the celebration changes. And, and I think it's a, lot, a lot of it has to do with the heaviness of life, the stress of life. We're so busy. we got so many things going on. And it's Thanksgiving, or it's Halloween, Thanksgiving, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got to get in. Christmas is coming. And some people have preempted that, and, and they learned their lesson. And like, no, we're going to celebrate Christmas a lot this year. We're going to start before Thanksgiving. It's a whole other debate I don't want to get into, because there's all kinds of people in the room today watching online that, I can't believe they're celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving, right? It's quiet in here today. Everyone's nervous. Where is he going with all of this? Where is he landing? There's this transition that happened in my life, and I pray that it happens in your life, where there's a shift. There is a beautiful transition when the allure of the excess, the, the um, receiving uh, some of those traditions, it shifts and Jesus, who is an auxiliary piece to many people's Christmas tradition, becomes the main thing. And it oftentimes happens when you're in your darkest time of your life. And you just can't, the music's not doing enough, the Christmas lights aren't doing enough. Uh, you know, people's traditions, the candy, the meals, the parties, like they just don't quite get you to that emotional high that you had when you were a kid and you're just longing for it, wanting it, needing it, needing some sort of relief to that. But there's something so beautiful when you realize that the, the darkness that you're in is not going to be solved because you bought more presents or got more presents or because you, you decorated the house just perfectly or, or because all of your factors of your life are perfect and lined up, but instead because a baby was born in Bethlehem, because, because a light shone in the darkness. My favorite passage about the Christmas story is not the one that talks about the manger, animals, Mary and Joseph and all that, there's, there's two Gospels that go into detail about all of this traditional story of Jesus being born, Mary and Joseph, the angels, the wise men, all that. That's Matthew and Luke. I want to encourage you to read those versions over the next couple of days. Mark doesn't really talk about it at all. But John does talk about it in a very unconventional way. And he says this in John 1 and 4, the word, the word, for those of you that can see it on the screen, it's capital W-O-R-D. That's because this is not just any word. Uh, it's not just about a sequence of letters that are phonically said in a, you know, with a particular meaning. This is 
the word of God, the word, the logos, the word of God gave life to everything that was created. You know, in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. That was the word creating. The word of God gave life to everything that was created in his life, brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And what I want to speak to you about right now, in this moment, any of you that are going through a dark moment in your life, I want you to hear the word of God today that the darkness can never extinguish the light of Jesus. Even if you're experiencing the heaviness and the weight of things, I'm not here today to try to convince you that that's all a figment of your imagination and just get tougher and just and just try harder. No, no, no. What you're going through is legitimate. It's tough. It's hard. It's it's because we live in this broken world that's so heavy. And our solution is not just fighting to overcome or, you know, faking it till you make it or something like that. Instead, our, our good news, our light comes because Jesus was born. A light that will never be extinguished. Jesus will never be extinguished. You're going through a season of darkness now, but Jesus was born. You're going through a difficult time. The light is flickering. Here in a few minutes, we're going to light our candles. And, the, and it's such a beautiful moment because the light is so delicate. And just your breath can kind of make it flicker. This is a beginning. Christmas is about beginnings. It's about an impetus of a new thing in your life, a, 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 a powerful hope that is coming. But at the beginning, it's just so delicate. And that's the power of Jesus' birth. It's a delicate birth. A birth is a delicate, beautiful, sensitive thing, just like that flame. And that's maybe the only thing you can hold on to this morning as you're going into this Christmas season is that Jesus was born and that is enough that you're going to make it. There's going to be a day when the fullness of time comes and there will be no more seasons of darkness, no more heaviness that you have to go through. But in the meantime, we have a light to give us hope. Verse 9 says, the one who is the true light, who gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. You know why? Because they, he came in such a different form, in a different way, a different location. I mean, he was literally born in the place where the animals stayed. It was smelly, it was stinky, it was very simple, it was very basic. It wasn't a palace or, or a, a castle, mansion. Something dawned on me a few months ago. If Jesus was born in San Marcos, he wouldn't have been born on Belvin Street or San Antonio or Hopkins. He'd have been born over on a side of town that you wouldn't even suspect. Because he was born for everyone. Everyone in this place, everyone in this room, everybody watching online, he was born for you. He was born for shepherds, and he was born for wise men. He was born for kings and servants. He's born for everybody in between. There's this beautiful song we're going to sing here in a minute, Oh Holy Night. And there's a, you know, this was a song written in France back when 
in the 1800s when their government outlawed slavery. And there was, you know, in the Western society in that time period, there was a lot of change happening in regards to slavery. Even here in the United States in, in the 1860s, you know, obviously the Civil War and all that. So how do we deal with that? Well, this beautiful song was written and addresses it. We're going to sing this, this verse in a minute about the slave being our brother. That wasn't just a figurative thing when this song was written and sung uh, in this day and time. It was like literally happening while they were singing this song. Like this person that, that you've degraded and been so against and hateful towards and all that. That is your brother. Because a baby was born. And if you are on that side of it, maybe you are the slave. That's not the, that's not the defining factor of your life. Jesus is going to redeem your life as well. So awesome. But the very par- first part of that song um, is, a, is, a, is a sentence that, and for those, you know, when I was a kid, what in the world does that mean? It's just one of those lines of a song you just kind of mouth and you just kind of get to the part where you understand. <laughs> Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What does that mean? Pining is this rich word that most of us don't ever use. I don't use it. Pining means to suffer a physical decline, especially because of a broken heart, to miss or long for the return of. That's what pining means. And what this sentence is saying is that the world is laying in its own sin and error, pining for the return of the king. Come on. There's so much that happened between the creation of the world and John 1 when the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So much darkness, so much heaviness, so much difficulty. And so the long lay the world in its own sin and error, pining away, waiting for something different. Waiting for something to be transformative. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth when jesus is born all of a sudden our soul and the deepest parts of our being begin to feel meaning and worth on a level that is is only um you know counterfeited by the things on the outside of our life our jobs our money our relationships our power that we obtain All of those things on the outside of our life try to give us meaning, try to give us worth, but it leaves our soul longing for something more eternal. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I've got good news for you today. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, giving a a richness, a, a wholeness to the integrity of your innermost being. To the depths of your soul, he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. It's like your heart started to beat again. And if you're here today and you're in one of those seasons that you're struggling because of the heaviness that's all around you, I want you to just think about Jesus being born in your life. Something so profound about God is that he transcends time. So like verb tenses don't really work with him. I mean, he's known as I am, right? So that means he's always present. I want you to start 
thinking about Jesus being born in your world today. Jesus is born in Bethlehem today. Jesus is born into my darkness today. The beginning of a great reversal is happening in my world today. And it's not overpowering and blinding and and so completely obvious, but it's a flicker. It's a little flame that's beginning to burn today because Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Would you stand with me? I want us to pray right now and go to God. Let's say yes to Jesus right now. Would you just join with me? Say yes, Jesus. Thank you for being born in my life today. I welcome the newness of Jesus. I welcome the freshness of Jesus. I welcome the rain of Jesus. I welcome the light that will never be extinguished by darkness. I welcome you, Jesus, into every facet of my life into every category, into every shelf, every pocket, every corner, every level. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus, into every part of our life, God. Would you just say that to him right now? Lord, I welcome you. I welcome you. Be born in me. Light of Jesus, be born in me. Shine from me, Lord shine in every facet of my life if there's a if there's a particular place in your life right now that you're struggling with i want you to call it out to god right now you can do it under your breath you can you can imagine it you can say it out loud you can shout it i don't care why don't you declare it to god right now lord this is your spot this is a place lord i need your your truth to shine this is a place lord where i am trusting in you alone god I need your help. I need your provision. I need your supernatural intervention into this place of my life, God. Supernaturally shine the brilliance, the energy, the heat, the light that comes from a Savior of the world being born in Bethlehem today. We say it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.